Well, what is up, Emmanuel? How you feeling? Pretty awesome. Good to see you back. Some of you missed last week. It's exciting. Uh, we're wrapping up a series called Unbroken. If you're a guest with us here today, if you had someone bring you or invite you. And uh, this series is basically, uh, it's been all about adversity and how to kind of push through adversity. Has it been a blessing to those of you who have been coming for the last couple of weeks? Has it been helpful? Awesome, awesome. I hope it has been. Uh, it's been, I know it's been a tough series, you've had to kind of think through some of the things you've been through, but man, it's, I just love when I can come out uh, from, from a study or a sermon or a talk and, and get a new perspective, it really changes my life, and that's really what this series has been all about. It's been inspired by a recent movie called Unbroken that was originally a book written by Laura Hillenbrand, and it's this story of this guy, just that his name was Louis Zamperini, and he just refused to give up. And, and we love stories like that. You know, I think, I think the big reason is because when we see someone go through some tremendous adversity and, and, and they're down and their back is against the ropes and somehow, some way, miraculously, they're able to push through and come out on the other side. I mean, you just get so excited. You're like, it's like you think to yourself, man, if they can make it through their adversity, then maybe I could make it through my adversity. And so we love stories like that. We draw inspiration from it. We draw strength from it. And that's really the story of Louis Zamperini. His plane went down. In, in World War II, somehow he miraculously survived this, this crash, you know, the, their bomber went down and they were on a search and rescue mission and they, he, he found a raft, and by the way, the story of how he, you know, when the ship, when the plane went down, like, he, he was unconscious, like, that's just miraculous, so, so he's sinking in this ship, he's unconscious, in, in the book he talks about how his legs were wrapped with wires and he couldn't get out, and then all of a sudden he comes to and he wakes up and the wires are off of his legs and he's able to find a window to push through and the whole time the plane is sinking. I mean, it's, it's just this incredible story. And then when he gets to the surface, he finds this raft. And he's able to get the raft and get the, you know, a couple of his buddies who, who survived the crash as well on the raft. And, and, uh, and then so they float for 47 days on the Pacific Ocean. And they fight off sharks and storms and the heat of the sun. And at one point, a Japanese fighter pilot found them. And they thought it was an American plane. So they shot their flares up and reflected their mirrors. And, and they, got, they shot at them for 30 minutes. And miraculously, they, none of them were hit. But they had holes riddled through their raft. It was just, it's just inconceivable to think that they made Made it through this whole scenario. At one point, a shark actually jumped up on the raft, and, and Mac, one of, one of Louis's buddies, had to beat the shark with a row to get it off the raft. It's just crazy stuff. And, and you know, so 47 days later, they make land, and, and, and their terrible situation goes you know, from bad to worse, and they, become, they get captured, they become POWs, and, and then the torture begins. Like, right as soon as they get there, Louis Zamperini is injected three times with some type of substance because they were using him as a guinea pig. And and, like, and they kept telling him, okay, tell, us, tell me what you feel now. You know, and they'd inject him with something else. And they, they said, tell us what you feel now. And it was just, just this crazy torture that he went through. But yet, 1945, the war comes to an end. Louis comes home, and he's a, and he's a war hero. And I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that if the war hadn't ended, those guys, those guys would have died. Because many of them did die. In fact, in one particular camp, it was, they just went there to chop their heads off. Like it was called execution camp. And that's all they did. They weren't even there to keep them alive or do any type of work. They, you just went there to die. It's just, it's just this crazy story of somebody who goes through adversity and makes it out on the other side. And so in this series, we've kind of looked at how in the world, you know, apart from God's grace and God's mercy on Louis's life, how did he survive this? How was he able to push through? And, and what we've told you each week is it really comes down to our perspective. It's our perspective that allows 
allows us to live an unbroken life. And what we mean by that is that it's, it's the way we understand, it's the way we perceive, it's the way we interpret the difficulties, financial problems, relationship problems, sickness problems, maybe it's a cheating, a rejection, uh, a, a job issue. It's the way we interpret or, or perceive the, the difficulty that allows us either to persevere or get knocked off our game and, and become weakened by the adversity. And, and that's what's really behind the question, why? Have you ever noticed that you and I do this? We ask ourselves, why did that happen? Why would God allow that to take place? Like, why is this going on in my life? Why did he do that? Why did she do that? Why did that happen? And the reason we ask that question is we're trying to gain perspective. That's all we're trying to do because as human beings, what we, we feel if we can gain perspective on an issue that somehow it's going to be a little bit better, we'll be able to, you know, maybe persevere through it. At least we understand why it's happening to us. We may not like the answer, but at least we understand it, right? So we seek perspective, and it's our perspective that determines whether or not adversity will make or break us. So today what I want to do is talk about the fifth pers perspective. I want to I close this series out with a bang. I think this could be the most powerful perspective of, of all five, although they've all been good. Uh, I want to just throw, at, throw it at you real quick in your notes. Check it out. Here's perspective number five, and then we're going to unpack this for the rest of our time today. God uses adversity, the difficulty, the trials, the pain, the hurt. He uses that stuff in our life to reveal his, say it with me, his glory. Now, this is a Bible word, and we're going to have to unpack what that means, and, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time doing that. But I want you to understand, this is sometimes, not all the time, because sometimes it's the other things that God is up to in our lives. He's building endurance in us. He's turning us into comforters. He's teaching us to rely upon him. He's doing other things sometimes. But sometimes God allows difficulty to come into our lives so that his glory can be Revealed. Now, we're going to talk about what that means, but I want to share, I want to share what, uh, I guess, explain what that means through the story in John chapter 11, which is, uh, which is one of the greatest stories in the Bible. It's about a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus has got these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus is close with this family. Like, he's friends with this family. He, like, this family is part of his inner circle, okay? The Bible actually says that he loved Lazarus, okay? And he had this relationship with them. They hung out. They had dinner together. They, they were close. And so Lazarus gets sick, and Mary and Martha, they do what, what the only thing they know to do is they send a message to Jesus because they know, they know what Jesus has done. They know what he's capable of doing, so they just believe that if Jesus could get there, that, that Lazarus could be healed and everything would be put back to normal. So when Jesus hears the message from Mary and Martha that Lazarus is sick, I want you to see what he says and how he responds in verse 4 of John chapter 11. Watch this. But when Jesus heard about it, heard about it he, uh, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Hmm, there it is, folks, right there. This sickness has come about so that, here's the purpose, so that God, specifically Jesus, the Son of God, will receive glory from it. Now, that's what we're going to talk about today. What does this statement mean? Because this is life-changing stuff. This is a perspective that I'm hoping you and I can both put on and, and see our adversity through, okay? Because it'll change our lives. It'll allow us to become the Louis Zamperini who, allow, who, who goes through something really difficult and comes out on the other side 
unbroken. Now, let's go through this, the rest of the story. This is a fascinating story. What happens next is very interesting. Jesus, instead of rushing to go see Lazarus, he does nothing. That's right. He gets the news. Here's about his buddy Lazarus, and he does nothing for two days. He just stays where he's at. It's about a day's journey from where they are. So when two, two more days go by, now it's been three days, okay? And then he finally decides, he talks to his disciples, hey guys, let's go see Lazarus. You know, he's, he, he's, uh, he's sick. So, he, so the disciples say uh, to Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, just didn't know if you remembered this or not. But last time we were in Bethany, like they, they, they tried to kill you. So you sure you want to go there? And Jesus, is, Jesus, you know, sometimes Jesus would say stuff that, that's really spiritual, but just would go over your head. Okay, if you, if you read the Bible, you know this happens sometimes. And, and I, I, think it's, I think it's awesome because, because it really shows that the people he was with were, were average people just like you and just like me. And so Jesus makes the statement. He says, guys, don't you understand there's 12 hours in the day and that those who walk in the daytime, you know, they can see because they have the sunlight and so they don't stumble. And his disciples are like, okay, where are you going with this, you know? <laughs> And he says, oh, but don't you know also that when you walk at night, you can't see, and so that's when you're in danger of stumbling, and you could get hurt? I'm like, okay, you know, okay, I guess we understand that. And then he says, so let's go see Lazarus, because he's falling asleep. So the disciples shoot back, and they say, hey, Jesus, if he's falling asleep, he's going to wake back up. Why do we have to go to Bethany? Last time we are at Bethany, they tried to kill you. Why do you want to go back there? And so Jesus says, man, I'm so glad that, the, so he finally tells him, he says, no, look, Lazarus isn't sleeping. He's, he died, okay, guys, come on, catch up with me a little bit. They were a little slow. <laughs> so I'm a little slow sometimes, aren't you? Like with spiritual things, like we don't quite get it. Like, like this is, I love this because this shows us that the Bible's real, okay? These stories would not be in the Bible if, it, it, you know, they wouldn't write it this way <laughs> if it wasn't real. They would, like everybody would get it and everybody would understand his disciples would be right with him. But no, his disciples were a little bit slow. So, so they're like, ah, I don't know what he really what he's talking about. So Jesus says, no, he died. And then he said, and I'm glad that he died so, so because, because here's what's going to happen. We're going to go there, and you guys are going to finally believe and understand me. It's what he tells them. And then Thomas, one of his disciples, says this in verse 16. I love this. I love this. I think it's funny. Thomas, his nickname, the twin, he said to his fellow disciples, all right, guys, let's go. I guess we're going to die too. <laughs> I just love it because he doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. Like, he, like he's giving Jesus the eye roll, like, oh, here he goes again. Like he's talking pie in the sky, spiritual truth, right? This is just an average guy. And what he doesn't understand is that what Jesus meant by, hey, aren't there 12 hours in a day and those who walk at light in the, in the daytime, they can see. What he's really meant was, and Thomas missed it, is that when you're walking in the will of God, when you're, doing, when you're hearing the Father's voice and you're doing what you should do, there's no danger that that can harm you. But if you're outside of the will of God and you're walking around at nighttime, you better be fearful because you're outside of the will of God. Of course, Thomas didn't get that and he didn't understand that. So he thought they were going to go to Bethany and they were going to die. That has nothing to do with the point of the story, but, but it's so good. <laughs> so, so they finally, you know, go, they take the trip. And again, it's like a day's journey. So now when Jesus gets there, it's four days. Four days since, since uh, Lazarus has gotten sick. Uh, he, actually he actually died. And so when Jesus gets there, Mary hears, uh, Martha hears about it, and she runs out to him. And I, again, I love this, this, verse, this verse 21, because we're, we're going to see a picture of, of, of us. We're going to see a picture of me. We're going to see a picture of you. Like Martha represents you and I. Listen to what she says to Jesus when he shows up. Watch. 
Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, here's what's going on. This statement is a mixture of both faith and doubt. Do you see it? Let's, let, me, let me show you. Jesus, you could have done something awesome here, but you were late. Like, who's got your schedule? Like, where's your assistant? Like, who's got your day timer? You're not on time. Right? Like, would you say that to the Son of God? <laughs> But see, this is just a normal average woman. She has tons of faith that Jesus could have fixed the problem. But Jesus, you're way off course here. Where have you been? Right? Isn't that a picture of you and I? And so Jesus tries to encourage her. And he says some things about resurrection. And, you know, you're going to see your brother again. And I'm the resurrection and the life. And if you, have belief, if you believe in me, you're, you know, you're going to rise again. And Mary's, Mary's like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's encouraging. And she goes to get her sister Mary. <laughs> like this conversation is very short. She goes to get Mary. Now what happened here is that Jerusalem was, not, was about a mile or two from Bethany where Lazarus died, okay? So all of these people that knew Mary and Martha, they had come out to support her. They were her support group. So there's this crowd of people there, like, mourning with Mary and Martha over their brother's death. So when Mary leaves the house, Martha comes in and says, hey, Jesus wants to see you. The, the crowd follows Mary out to go see Jesus. He hadn't come into Bethany. He's right outside the village. And so when Mary uh, sees Jesus, listen to what she says in verse 32. She says, uh, when, when Mary arrived, she said to Jesus, she fell at his feet and she said the same exact thing. Watch this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like, seriously, where have you been? Like, I believe in you. I've seen what you do. I have faith in you. But yeah, you're way off. <laughs> Who's keeping your calendar, right? So, so there's this mixture of faith and doubt. And, and all of these people now are listening into this conversation. They're, 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 and Jesus, Jesus does something amazing. He says, okay, he sees they're, they're crying and they're wailing, and he starts to get emotional, and the Bible says that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, John chapter 11, verse 35. He was moved with compassion because he loved Lazarus, and he sees everybody else mourning and everybody else crying, and he was moved. And so he finally says to Mary, where is his body? And so they, Mary takes Jesus to the body, and he, Jesus gets to the body, and he says, I want you to move the stone. Move the stone away. And then Martha jumps in, and she says, no, 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 you can't move the stone. You didn't understand, Jesus. He's been dead for four days, and, the, and, and there's going to be, a, there's gonna be a, a smell. Like, that's what happens. Don't open the cave. And then Jesus says this in verse 40. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's Glory if you believe. <sighs> what is God's glory? Because verse 4 told us, Jesus said, hey, this all took place so that God's glory could be revealed, so that the Son of God could receive glory. What is the glory of God? That's what we want to look at today. Like, what does that look like? What is the purpose? Because God uses adversity sometimes to reveal his glory. We must understand what it is. Well, look what Jesus does next in, next in verse 41. Watch this. He starts to pray. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Isn't that cool? That, you know, he acknowledging God hears our prayers. God hears Jesus' prayers. Watch this. Next verse. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that, say it with me, so that they will believe you sent me. Pause real quick. Who is the they? Is it, is it Mary and Martha? 
No, because they already believed. You know who the they was? They were the people from Jerusalem who came to support Mary and Martha in the, in the death and the mourning of their brother. Jesus was thinking about they. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. So watch what happens. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Watch this. I love this. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Can you imagine? Listen, put yourself there, right? You've come out to mourn for like this, this, these two women who lost their brother. Now you're standing there and this dead guy walks out and he's mummified, right? And Jesus tells you to go unwrap him. Can you, I mean, would you go over there and touch? This dude walks out of the cave. I mean, I'd be like, what is that? Get out. I'm not touching him. Like, I'm not even going. Like, I probably would have ran. This is craziness. Like, what is happening? You know what's happening? The glory of God had been revealed. That's what it was. You see, what, when we ask the question, what's the glory of God? Here's the answer. It's very simple. Watch this. Sorry. Yeah, skip the next one. Sorry, we'll go to the next one. What's the glory of God? The glory of God is a picture of what God is like. That's what it is. And what they saw, what they witnessed with their own eyes was a picture of what God is like. What is God like? God is like a person who can raise a dead person from the dead. That's what God is like. He's the person who can part the Red Sea. He is the person who can touch somebody's eyes and they suddenly, who were blind and they can suddenly see. Or someone's ears who were deaf and they can suddenly hear. Or, or he can heal somebody who had a disease, a leprosy of some type. And he can, he can cleanse them and the, the, the disease is gone. He's this God who created the heavens and the earth. Listen, listen, in Psalm 19, if you haven't fallen in love with Psalm 19, I'll go there tonight. Listen, listen to the first verse. Watch this, Psalm 19.1. The heavens proclaim the what? The glory of God. And the skies his, uh, show forth his handiwork. Did you see the moon last night? Did you see the sunset last night? Listen, these are, these are sermons. Like the sunset and the moon and, and, and uh, the sunrise. These, these are sermons. And you know what they're doing? They're revealing the glory of God. What does that mean? They're revealing what God is like. What do the heavens and the earth speak to us? Day after day, night after night. And here's what they say. Here's what they say. God is powerful. That's what they say. What is the glory of God? It's a picture of what God is like. And God uses adversity in my life, and he uses adversity in your life to reveal what he is like. Isn't that awesome? Now, that might not take your pain away. It might not take away your hurt. It might not take a, fix the relationship. It might, it might not get your, your, your teenager back on course. It might not fix the problem. But what it gives you is perspective. This happened that the glory of God might be revealed, that the Son of God would receive glory from this. Did you know? Did you know? This is fabulous. I love this stuff. Like, I could do this all day long. This is so much fun. Did you know that the glory of God is actually the purpose of your life? In your notes, that the glory of God is the purpose of your life? Like, why do I exist as a human being? Why am I here at all? It, did you know that it's to bring glory, to show forth, to reveal what God, what the God of the universe is like, who he is? Did you know that that's the purpose of your life? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he said it this way. Let your light, 
the light that is in you, the, the, the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. Let it so shine before others that they might see your good works and do what? Give glory to you and praise you and stroke you and give you awards and lift you up and say, a boy, and you're so awesome? No. Give glory to your Father. See, the purpose of your life is to live in such a way that other people go, wow, God is awesome. God is glorious. God is gracious. God is merciful. When I look into your life, I see a picture of what God is like. In Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, I don't think he intended to do this, but he was just writing and writing, and he was in jail, and it just, kind of, it just came out of him. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, watch what he says. I go back to the, to the old King James Version. Listen to this, because like, there's a word in here that, that, that's, used, that's not used in some other versions. Watch this. Paul says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ may be what? Say it with me magnified in my body, whether by life or death. I looked up this word. This word magnified is the word megaluno. It means to make or declare great. Paul says, you know what the purpose of my life is? It's to make or declare the greatness of God, that by life or by death, God might be seen for who he is. Oh, don't you love it? This is the purpose of our lives. This is perspective. And God uses adversity sometimes to get us kick-started to say, hey, 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 hey. You're going to reveal what I'm like by how you handle this adversity. You're going to give your wife, your husband, your children, your neighbors, your coworkers. You're going to give them a picture of what I'm like if you handle this adversity correctly. You're going to bring glory to me. You're going to show them what I'm like. Wow. That's life-changing stuff, don't you think? And of course, of course, Paul said it most succinctly in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, which if you don't have this one memorized, oh, this is a good one. This is an easy one. Watch this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you find yourself doing, don't we do a lot of things? We play sports. We go to work. We raise children. We pay bills. We run errands. Anybody running errands tonight? My wife is. Whatever you find yourself doing, do it for the, say it with me, of God. Do it for the glory of God. This is the purpose of my life. Is it possible to pay bills for the glory of God? <laughs> is it possible to eat a meal for the glory of God? Is it possible to dress yourself in a way for the glory of God? Is it possible to watch a movie for the glory of God. You better believe it is. That, I, that someone might look into your life and see how you're living and say, wow, Jesus is awesome. He is merciful. He is wise. He is patient. He is kind. He is loving. That's the purpose of our lives. And what God does is he uses adversity sometimes in my life and in your life to give a picture of what people, of what he is really like. Now, that should be enough. That's really cool. I really dig that. Like, I could go home right now and be satisfied. Like, that's a good perspective. Don't you agree? But there is more to it. There is more. Okay, you ready for it? You ready for the rest of it? This is kind of fun. Y'all not ready for it yet. You ready? You want it? All right. Remember the, remember the, remember the they that were involved? 
Remember, remember when Jesus prayed, Father, I thank you for hearing me, and I, you always hear me, but the reason I prayed out loud is so that they would believe in you, that they would believe that you sent me. Watch this in your notes. I want to I throw this truth at you. Second truth. God uses adversity to reveal his glory so that people will believe in him. Did you catch it? See, God is not on an ego trip. God is not interested in, in just simply showing off and saying, look at me. Look how awesome I am. Look what I can do. Look at my power. I can raise people from the dead. I can heal blind people. I can part the Red Sea. I can create the heavens and the earth. And aren't you so impressed? Now, that's what humans do, right? Because we, we're, we're deficient when it comes to understanding where our worth comes from. <laughs> but God is not. He's totally secure, and he's not revealing his glory so that he can somehow find significance in your praise. That's not what he's up to, okay? What is he up to then? He is up to revealing his glory so that other people who happen to be standing by, who happen to be watching your life, who happen to be looking in, peeking in, listening in, might go, wow. Because they got a picture of what God is like through your life, through how you handled adversity. You think I'm making this up? I'm not making this up. Watch verse 45. Watch this. Remember, remember the they? Remember, remember they were watching in? Watch this. Many of the people who were with Mary, what did they do? They believed in Jesus. Why? Why did they believe in Jesus? Why did they put their faith in Jesus? These were Jews from Jerusalem. Why did they convert to Christianity? They didn't even know it was Christianity. Why did they put their faith in Jesus? Watch this. Because of what they saw happen. Oh, don't you love it? They saw a dead guy walk out of a cave like a mummy. They saw the glory of God. They saw a picture of what this guy could do. They saw the power of God. And what did they do? They put their faith in Jesus. And wouldn't you? If you were there, wouldn't you be totally convinced? Maybe you were a non-believer, agnostic. Maybe you were just a doubter. And all of a sudden you see a dead man come back to life. Wouldn't you say, I'm in. Like, dude, sign me up. Like, I'll follow that dude. Like, he just, like that guy was just, and he was just, and there was, a, and, and what? And, and I'm in. That's the purpose of the glory of God. The glory of God, the, the picture of what he's like, is not so, so that God's ego could be, you know, stroked. It's not it. It's so that people around you, come on, come on, the people around you, your family members, your friends, your coworkers, your loved ones, these people who are in your life, the purpose of the glory of God being revealed through your life is so that they could look into your life and see a picture of the glories, the glorious Jesus. That's it. Now, I don't care what you do for a living. That can be your life purpose. It's supposed to be your life purpose that whether you eat or whether you drink or whether you're a nurse or a stay-home father, stay-home mother, lawyer, bus driver, whatever you find yourself doing, do it in such a way that God is seen for what he is. That's some perspective, don't you think? So that other people can look in at your life and see God. You know, a small group a couple weeks ago, we're sitting there, and a guy in my small group who I love dearly suddenly lost his father. Just boom. He was in church one day, and he was dead the next morning. Massive heart attack. So our small group just, just you know, tried to 
be there for him, love on him. I didn't know how he was going to respond, if he was going to go off the deep end, if he was going to be, you know, okay. I just, you, you never can tell how someone's going to respond to tragedy like that, adversity like that. And so he missed group that week, and then the next week he came to group. He came to our small group. And, and we were just like, dude, what's up? How are you? You know, and I had met with him personally a couple times before that, but the group, the group, this was the first time the group got to see him. And I kid you not, he sat in that group, and uh, he said, you know, guys, um, do, I, do I wish my dad was still here? Absolutely. Do I hate that this happened? Absolutely. Am I sad? Absolutely. But I have a deep peace in my heart because I, I know that God is in control. I kid you not, almost every guy in that small group looked at him like, what? What? And at least two guys verbalized and said out loud, I couldn't do that. Like, I'd, I'd be out of my mind right now if I lost my dad that way. And, 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 and my friend just, he said, you know, it's just, again, it's not what I would have wanted, but I trust God in this situation. And I'm telling you, Right there in the middle of that circle of men, the glory of God was revealed through my friend. And he didn't, he didn't even know it was happening. He was just asked a question. And by the way he responded to his extreme adversity, God's glory was revealed. Because what we saw that night, what every man in that circle saw that night, was a picture of how God could comfort a soul in a divine way. Because that wasn't of him. We all knew that was not of him. Humanly speaking, any one of us would be out of our mind, right? Despair. And there's a time for mourning. I'm not talking about a healthy mourning. I'm talking about just out of your mind, losing your faith, chucking the whole thing out the window. Why did God allow this? The whole nine yards. And that's just not where he is. And you know what? He's not even there right now either. He's still trusting God. And his family's here tonight. And they're still working through it, trusting God, trusting God, trusting God. But it was a picture. It was a picture of the glory of God in the midst of adversity. And how he responded to it was, was, was a picture of what kind of God, of what God is truly like. Let me ask you a question here tonight. Who did God have in mind? Who, who did he really have in mind with this adversity? Who was it? Was it Mary? Was it Martha? Hey, was it Lazarus? Who, who did he really have in mind? You know who he really had in mind? The people that came from Jerusalem. The they. They came to comfort Mary and Martha. They came and what they saw was the glory of God. And they believed in Christ. Who are the they in your life? Who are they? You have them. I have them. There's a guy I'm meeting with on Monday. He's the they. Monday at 3.30. We're going to talk. He, he doesn't believe in God. He asked me to prove the existence of God. I said, well, let's meet and talk about it. That's the they. See, that's, that's who the they is. It's the people who don't believe. You have them in your life. 
And he, here's, what I, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to live in such a way that they can see the glory of God revealed in you so that they put their faith in Jesus. Like, who is going to come to faith in Jesus because of the way you live your life and respond to adversity? What a question. What a question. Who is going to come to faith in Jesus Christ because of the way you responded to adversity is, is so beautiful that all they can see is a picture of God. Like, who's going to come to faith because of you? Not because you preached at them. Not because you presented the gospel to them. But because of the way you were living your life, they, they, they are forced to see Jesus in you. Oh, man. Here's the, here's the way I want to close. We're going to have a song. The team's, the team's going to sing. I would love for you to write their names down. We haven't done this in a while. We bought brand new pens, (laughs) silver pens in the back, silver pens in the front. Listen, I want you to, even if it's one person, I'm going to write my one person down. We're meeting with them at 3.30 on Monday. I'm going to write his name down. Who are the they? Who's going to come to faith? During this song, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come forward or go to the back or on the walls, grab a silver pen and write their name down and decide, maybe even take a knee, maybe even say a quick prayer and say, I'm going to live my life in such a way that, that God is going to be seen for what he is and who he is so that they can put their faith in Christ. And then when we're done, I'll come back, I'll come back up and, and close us out. You respond. There's some of you who are here tonight. You're here today. You are the they. You are the person on the outside looking in saying, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know if he's real. I don't know about God. I'm not sure. I think I believe. Maybe I don't. You are the they. You are the person that he had in mind. When he decided to create the heavens and the earth, when he decided to touch the blind man's eyes, when he decided to part the Red Sea, when he decided to say, Lazarus, get up, stand up. I know we couldn't perform a miracle on stage here today. <laughs> that would have been really crazy. <laughs> but, but the miracle was recorded in John chapter 11 so that you would see it and go, wow. Wow, it's like that? Like, he can raise a dead man? Yes. Will you put your faith in the Messiah, the Son of God, who raises the dead? In fact, who was raised from the dead for you? See, Jesus Christ died on the cross to wash away your sin. He died in your place. He paid the penalty for all of your sin. See, your sin separates you from God. But that's not God's plan for you. God's God's plan is not to spend eternity apart from you. He created you to be in a relationship with you, to know you for all eternity. And that's why Christ came into the world, to die on a cross, to wash away your sins, so that when you put your faith in him, you you can become his child. Your sins are forgiven. They're washed away. You become a child of God. Will you put your faith in Jesus today? Will you respond to the glory today? See, the resurrection is really the most glorious thing that's ever happened in the universe, that Christ died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose again so that you could have your sins washed away. Will you respond to that? Will you reach out to Jesus in faith today? Maybe you feel God tugging on your heart, and maybe you feel him saying to you right now, yes, this is your moment. This is your moment right now. And if you sense God telling you that right now, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. 
This is a holy moment between you and God. It's like nobody else is in the room. His eye has been on you since the moment you were born. This moment was crafted for you. Say this to Jesus right now. He's listening. Dear Jesus, I saw a picture of your glory today. I saw what you're capable of. And I'm putting my faith in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the penalty for my sin. I believe you rose again three days later to wash away all my sin. I trust you as my Savior. Forgive me, cleanse me, and make me your child. And help me for the rest of my days with your strength, with your wisdom, to honor you bring glory to you with my life. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Can we give God glory today? When I was 17, I put my faith in Christ and I was so privileged, so privileged to run into somebody who's, who, who challenged me to read the Bible and begin absorbing it into my mind and heart on a daily basis. So I wanna, I wanna do for you what that guy did for me. We wanna give you a Bible today, not tomorrow, not next week. We wanna give you a Bible today. If you put your faith in Christ, if you just prayed to receive Christ, there's tables in the back and they'll have the auditorium here to my left and to my right. Just go back there and say, hey, I prayed to receive Christ today. I'd like a Bible. Here's why we're passionate about this. Because we believe that sermons are cool. We believe sermons are great. I give a lot of them. I have a blast doing it. You guys know that. But it's your daily time with God. Your daily time with God in the scriptures, reading these words that really is going to sustain you over the long haul. You cannot survive on sermons. Hey, hey, I preach them. I preach them. If I, I, you know what I'm saying? You cannot survive on sermons. You need daily, you need to eat the bread of life and drink in the living water every single day. So if you pray to receive Christ today, one of these is yours for free. Go back there and grab one. Again, let's give God glory today. Amen. Don't you love it? Don't, don't you just, don't you love that you can open the Bible and almost on every page, you're just, if you really read it, if you really set your heart and open up your mind and go, okay, God, show me what you're like, you'll see the glory of God almost on every page. Oh, take it in. Oh, read it. Absorb it. Your faith will soar if you do. Look, just go to John 11 and read it five times. I promise you, your spirit's going to be lifted. You're going to be praising God. You're going to be responding to adversity better. You're going to be on fire because you get the word of God in your life. Will you do that? Will you do that? Come on. Will you do that? Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. You have, you have told us clearly through this story that sometimes, sometimes, Father, you use difficulty, problems, pain, death, suffering, rejection to bring glory to yourself that others might put their faith in you. Help us to be that man. Help us to be that woman who responds to adversity correctly so that Jesus can be seen as glorious 
and wonderful and merciful and all loving and sovereign and all wise. Help us to live that way. God, those who put their faith in Jesus today, give them the courage to go grab a Bible, but not grab one, also begin reading it. That you would speak to them on a daily basis and encourage them. We give you glory. We give you honor today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you. We will see you next week. Bring back your friends.